0: Hey there, friends and neighbors. Welcome to the Dark Dreams and Troubled Souls podcast, where I read my weird stories just for you. Today's story is Goblin Watch. Are you ready? Here we go. You can't sell it, said Isling Glass, or you won't get the rest of the money. The watch sat on the desk in front of the elderly bird-faced lawyer, stubbornly waiting for Vince to accept it. The thing was worthless, the case carved from a chunk of wood. Vince asked, "'Who makes a pocket watch out of wood?' Isling Glass shrugged. "'Maybe it wasn't always a watch. Just take it. Come back in six months. If you can produce the watch, you get the rest of your inheritance.' Vince shook his head. "'I knew my old man was slipping, but this is ridiculous.' I've got bills for Christ's sake. I need that money. I was counting on it. You have no choice. No, I take that back. You do have a choice. You can leave the watch here, and your sister gets your share. What does she have to do to get hers? Nothing. Vince gave an angry burst of laughter. Figures. He slapped his hand on the desk, dragging the thing toward him with a scrape. He pressed the button, and the front popped open. Inside the flap was a warning. His grandmother had showed him, read it to him before. Woe be unto he who bears witness to the goblins. Stupid. He shoved the watch into his pocket and left the lawyer's office. When he was a kid, His grandmother had used the watch to scare him when he stayed overnight at her house. She told him that no matter what he heard during the night, he could never open his eyes. Worse, he heard noises during the night at her house. The rapid thuds of small footsteps. And the next morning, when he told her, she always seemed so amused by his distress. Awful old lady. Back home, he tossed the watch onto the kitchen counter half hoping it would slide onto the floor and break. That would show them all. Heirloom or no, this nonsense was a waste of his time. He called his sister later while he was watching television. Aw, come on, it's not that bad. All you have to do is babysit a watch. Heather laughed. How hard could it be? You come get it, then. No way, that thing is creepy. How is this fair? Firstborn always gets the watch. You're it, lucky duck. Vince sighed. There was no getting around it, The Goblin Watch was his now, as it had been his father's, his grandmother's, and beyond. His grandmother told him it was hundreds of years old, but he never knew when to believe her. She had this way of telling him things, this smirk that made him wonder if she was pulling his leg. Later that night, while he was watching TV, the tick of the watch reached him. He ignored it, of course, put it out of his mind. It was just a watch. He'd assured himself of that several times, but the tick grew louder. It became deeper and more violent, reaching down into his chest to grab his heart. By that time, he had gotten up. He crept from the couch to the kitchen to stare at the thing. I'm losing my damn mind, he muttered to himself. I gotta go to bed. With all that happened that day, he was just tired. That was all. He needed a good night of sleep. In the morning, the weirdness would be over, he was sure. It wasn't. He opened his eyes to see the watch had somehow moved to his nightstand. It sat there, looking as innocuous as any other object in his room no, he said to it, refusing the reality. Way too early. He left it there when he got up. If the watch wanted to be there so badly, he'd leave it be. Maybe then it would leave him alone. In the shower, he reached for his soap. It wasn't in the usual spot. He moved the shampoo bottle, pulled back the curtain to check the corner of the tub. It wasn't there, His shoes were missing, too. After breakfast, he looked everywhere, every corner, bent to look under furniture. He ended up wearing a different pair to the office, one that didn't match his suit quite right. Thoughts of the watch plagued him throughout the day, as did memories of his childhood. He had nightmares when he stayed overnight at his grandmother's house, every time. He always blamed her, just as he blamed her for his lost shoes in the soap. Goblins weren't real. If she hadn't planted those ideas in his head, he wouldn't have these problems. He'd see that his soap really was there, or remember that he'd just moved it. She had brainwashed him into subconsciously believing this nonsense. He had to get a hold of himself. At home, he stashed the watch in a drawer then went about his evening. He made spaghetti for dinner and read for a while. He sat on his balcony, having a beer, watching the sunset and thinking about his father. He assured himself the next day would be normal. It would be fine. That night, he heard them. The sound of something shattering in his kitchen startled him from sleep. Shadows, like a line of figures in single file, moved along the bedroom wall. He remembered the warnings and squeezed his eyes shut again. Whatever you do. Small, gruff voices argued in a language he didn't understand. Several of them ran through his apartment, sounding just like they had in his grandmother's house so many years ago. His heart in his throat, he tensed as one of them climbed up on the edge of his bed. He fought to keep his breath slow and even, wanting badly for them to think he was asleep. His fists were clenched under his pillow as he battled the urge to leap from the bed. The thing came closer, climbed up on his back as if taunting him, and he heard it panting, a raspy, eager sound that made his skin crawl. It wanted to be seen. It wanted an excuse to carry him away. Another one yelled, Some unintelligible string of words, and then the creature on his bed went back the way it came. Then there was another series of galloping thumps, and they were gone. In the quiet that followed, Vince let out a breath. He uncurled his fists, ran to the bathroom, locking the door behind him. As he gripped the side of the sink to steady himself with one hand, he splashed cold water on his face with the other. He was losing his mind he had to be. The next morning, two things were missing, the fruit from the bowl on the counter and his laptop. He cursed. He kicked over a stool. His sister, Heather, didn't have much to offer in the way of comfort. Someone is totally messing with you, she laughed. What about that ex-girlfriend of yours? He rolled his eyes. No, look, they were here last night. I heard them. One of them crawled onto my bed. Onto me. If it is real, which I highly doubt, then our family has been able to handle those things for hundreds of years. Does this mean Grandma was tougher than you? She was like 92 when she died. I am tough. It's not like I got any training. Well, you'd better figure it out. Or maybe you should get some therapy instead. That might be more helpful, loony bird. She had a smile in her voice, and she sounded like his grandmother just then. He shuddered. He filed a police report for the missing laptop, in case it was stolen by a human being, rather than goblins from a wooden watch. He didn't mention hearing footsteps. He was careful not to mention any details that would make him sound like a crazy person. Later at work, he researched goblin folklore A bunch of kids' books came up first, of course. He clicked past those pages, and the deeper he dug, the darker it got. There were illustrations, most of them from northern European countries, of vicious-looking, twisted creatures. Greek pottery depicted them with faces closer to those of lions. There were paintings from France and England, stone tablets from Israel. No matter where they came from, What medium the artist used, the goblins were hideous things with sharp teeth and powerful-looking arms. He noticed those most of all, the hands and the arms, the ones that supposedly carried people away. He wondered how there were pictures if no one could look at them. They couldn't be accurate, or maybe the goblins themselves drew them. He found no serious advice about how to get rid of them no real solid information he could use. Most of the world thought they weren't real. From the bottom of his soul, he wished they were right. Back at home, he stood at the counter, looking at the watch, a hammer in his hand. Money be damned, he had to get rid of the thing. He held it tightly between his thumb and forefinger and with the other hand gave the wooden watch flap a few light taps gradually increasing his force. The watch case didn't even crack. He finally removed his finger and thumb. He wrapped both hands around the hammer handle, raised it over his head, and put all the rage and frustration he could muster behind the next hit. As if someone had bolted it to the counter, the thing didn't move from that spot. The watch was mocking him. A tingle passed under his skin, as if the watch had somehow seeped into his veins without leaving its physical form. It infected him with a sensation, like tiny insects tunneling through his veins on sharp legs. He scratched, but stopped himself before he broke through the skin. He dug through the junk in his closet for his toolbox in the drill inside. He pressed the button, a test to see if it was charged. It whirred to life, and the sound made him feel more in control. Vince wore a maniacal grin as he pressed the tip of the drill bit to the watch. He could kill his childhood nightmares. He could rid himself of this chunk of evil. The bit spun. He tried different angles. He pressed harder until the drill motor protested with a whine. No dents, not even a scratch. Vince placed the drill on the counter. He backed away, sweating from both effort and fear. A garbage disposal. Even if he couldn't break the watch, he might get some satisfaction from hearing it dance around the blades for a while. He reached for it. The watch wouldn't move. Like it resisted the hammer and the drill, it resisted his grasp. Vince roared. He bloodied his fingers, digging them under the sides. He grabbed a knife, worked the blade under it as far as he could, and then he twisted the handle as hard as he could. The metal tip snapped off the blade. Vince tossed the broken knife sideways into the living room. He sank into a chair at his kitchen table, held his head in his hands. He needed help, but who would help him? He doubted anyone would believe a word of it. Vince had an idea. He bought security cameras from the hardware store and spent the rest of the day setting them up. He wanted to get a look at what he was dealing with. Not only that, if he could show people what he was dealing with, they'd have to believe him. They'd have to help him. And the goblins would never know they'd been seen. He might even be able to sell the video. How much was real proof of fairy tale creatures worth? Thousands? Later that night, As he listened to the footsteps all over his apartment, he swore they sounded more numerous than ever before. Eyes squeezed shut, he tried to judge how many there were. He tried to imagine how many of them he'd catch on camera. Several minutes after the last sound he heard from them, he got out of bed. To his surprise, he was smiling. They were no match for technology. They were no match for him. He pulled up the video on his computer, backed the feed up to a half an hour prior. His dark apartment, all was still. He turned up the sound until he heard the watch ticking. Vince expected them to come out of the watch, but they didn't. Shadows spread across the kitchen floor, followed by twisted, gnarled creatures with freakishly long arms. They were roughly the size of chimpanzees their backs, lumpy, malformed mounds of flesh. They moved like apes, too, hopping onto his counter, picking up and inspecting his possessions. Vince couldn't breathe. His heart had taken on a strange, heavy rhythm, and the blood rushing through him felt thinner somehow. He should not have looked, not even that way that seemed so safe. One on his counter turned, and looked directly at the camera, fixed him with a piercing stare, eyes flashing like a wild animal's. Bench jumped back, knocking over the office chair and then falling over it. He kept scrambling backward. The tick of the watch reached him, growing louder, becoming the thump of footfalls on the floor. And then they were there, gnarled things with rough hands grabbing him, clawing, gripping, dragging him toward the kitchen, toward the watch. He kicked and flailed as the world pressed in, and his apartment fell away, giving way to suffocating, crushing darkness. The End Thank you for listening to the Dark Dreams and Troubled Souls podcast. If you'd like to help a girl out, please rate and review the podcast. Additionally, more fiction is on the way, so be sure to subscribe if you'd like to get in on that. The series, which includes stories not featured here, is also available in ebook form on Amazon. My website and blog can be found at www.learyan.com. See you next time!